0: Just an interesting little account there that I I guess in the first few years, as it started to be circulated uh, amongst different people, uh, it would have been passed around and and read in different places and shared with different people in in those years afterwards. And, uh, And the account gives us some really interesting little details, doesn't it? John writes in a helpful way. He says that as I went in, I, I saw that the linen cloths were lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloths but folded up in a place by itself. It's interesting the way John writes. He's writing in such a way where he wants to say to you and me and to the readers of the day, what I'm giving to you here it is not just a kind of an ideal Not some kind of great idea, not some sort of nice hope. I'm writing in such a way where I'm giving to you a historical account. I remember when I went into the tomb, it was like this. At burials in those days, you would have been wrapped in cloth and then placed into a cave. And we know the story of the... The, um, the burial of Jesus there was a great stone was rolled in front of the door of the cave and Jesus was laid out in these burial cloths uh, and John writes in such a way where he says I want you to re- uh, to see that I'm accounting for you I'm giving you a record of what it was really like this really happened There was cloth laying in one place, but the the cloth that was over his face, that was in a different place. I don't really know whether there's anything particularly significant other than he's wanting to make sure that we see that what he is recording from his point of view is the true account of Jesus really bodily, physically coming back to life. He goes into... The cave dead. He doesn't walk into the cave. He's carried in. He's a corpse. He walks out. 2,000 years ago, we're reading an account of the, the life of one man dying and coming back to life. And I guess that because John writes it in such a way that says, no, this man really did come back to life physically in a real sense it does have significance to us today, doesn't it? Nobody else has done that. So in that sense, the fact that we're reading 2,000 years later uh, of the fact that the cloths were in two different places still says to us that Jesus physically rose from the dead. It makes that claim. Uh, We've been... Friday evening, those of you who were able to be with us, we watched a really quite um, an intense film called Good Friday. It reminded us of what Jesus went through when he was nailed to a cross. The, 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 The flogging that took place, the scourging that took place, the fact that he was then crucified. The very graphic way in which his death is depicted. That will be covered again later on as we're going to be looking at the Passion of the Christ. You know, I think it's really easy for us to, um, to think about that in physical terms and forget that the claim that the Bible makes is that in just as physical a way, Jesus came back to life physically. You know, we can easily understand what it might have been like. Uh, not even, wait, let's say we can understand. We can at least have an, uh, some idea in, in, in graphic form what it might have been like to be flogged by a Roman soldier. But imagine what it must have been like for that one man when the stone rolled away from the door. And Jesus, in the dark... Because he rose before sunlight, physically felt fresh air blow through the tomb, physically breathed in fresh air, stood up, heard the dawn chorus as the world awoke. That's the claim that the Bible is making. It is remarkable, isn't it? It's an unbelievable claim in human terms. And that's exactly the point. It is unbelievable in human terms unless something divine is going on. Something, if you like, outside of this world. And that is the message that John is bringing to us. At this point in time, we see the fulfillment of the message of Jesus. That God has broken into this world. We read it here that uh, at this point, maybe for John, it just, uh, uh, something dropped into place. We read here, uh, verse 8: Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. He saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture. That he must rise from the dead. They've been spending these three years with Jesus. But only now are they beginning to get it. When they actually see folded grave clothes. And the claim that the Bible is making which is as relevant today as it was then that Jesus breathed again. He literally rose again. The Bible makes it really clear for us. And I, I, I want to make it clear, because the Bible makes it clear, that if that is not true, then it's a waste of time, what we are doing. I, I am living a futile, empty life. Spending time uh, sharing the message of the Bible with other people. If this did not literally happen it is a waste of of a life it's a waste of countless numbers of lives down through these past 2,000 years the cross the cross that that great kind of symbol of the Christian church that symbol of execution that has become a picture of hope down through the years Is empty, it's useless, it's irrelevant if this didn't happen. We read later on in the Bible, it says this: if there is no resurrection of the dead, talking about resurrection, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. It's raising an interesting issue in our minds. This idea of resurrection. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. The Christian faith is not about a nice way to live. It's about a historical incident. It's about a moment in history where Jesus died and physically, literally, in reality, got up off the slab where a dead body was laid, breathed fresh air again, ate, drank, body restored. We saw in the little clip there, one of the great things I love about the Bible is its honesty. We see Thomas. Now, I think I would be just like Thomas, really, in lots of ways. You know, come on, get real, guys. Be serious. You're saying he's alive? Don't, Don't be so stupid. Stupid and gullible. And then Jesus appears to Thomas and he falls on his knees. What does Jesus say? He says, Touch the wounds. Well, Jesus was battered, his body was crushed by flogging and beating and abuse. And yet when he rose from the dead, his body is restored. The things that remain are the marks of the cross. His body is restored. Thomas looks at him and recognises him, falls on his knees. Jesus restored. We would not be here, I would say, if it wasn't for this event. We would not be here. The Christian message would have fizzled out, I would say, because it makes the most outrageous claim. It makes a claim unlike any other religion. It claims that a man died and came back to life and was the son, and is the son of the living God present in this world. It's an outrageous claim, unless there's at least enough evidence for it to be true. So here we are, we're met here this afternoon and we've got this claim that the Bible makes, but can we walk away from it? Is it just, well, so what? I think the Bible actually describes something which has significance for us today in just three ways. I'm going to be really quick, we're going to look at tragedy reversed, the greatest experience and a real warning. Tragedy reversed. They go down to a tomb, the women, at the beginning of the day. They want to look after the body of Jesus in a ceremonial way, consistent with the traditions of the day. They want to anoint it with oil. They're not even acting in a kind of logical way because they know a great stone has been rolled across the entrance. How can they possibly do this, but they go down anyway? Broken-hearted, terrified, fearful. And in one moment, tragedy is reversed. In the same way as death has broken into their lives with the, the, the loss of their real friend, Jesus. In the same way as death breaks into all of our lives, just disrupting at the most terrible of moments and the the, the most awful of experiences, hope breaks in. As death broke in once, now hope breaks in. Because what the resurrection of Jesus says is, This is not what life is all about. This moment in time, this few years that we live, there is more than just this life. That's what this this claims today. It says that even though death might break in, the life, the resurrection of Jesus says, quite simply, that we too might rise from the dead. Tragedy reversed. Hope reversed in Jesus we're in the middle of a a centre dedicated to I guess extreme sports of various types you know we've got a great big snow slope um, down the corridor if any of you are into snow sports you might have been down there It's, it's a big snow slope but it's nothing compared to the Alps is it imagine what it would be like if you placed Uh, escape or snow zone at the foot of Val d'Isere can you imagine being a a snowboarder or a skier committed to to riding the slope of snow zone when right behind you is a fantastic huge mountain range it it would be pointless you'd be playing in the shallows when the real thing is right behind you That's what the resurrection of Jesus says. Life now is like the snow slope. Resurrection in Jesus is real life. Because it's life that will never end. That's the claim that this makes. Tragedy reversed. But it also speaks of the greatest experience... In a, similar, in a kind of way, it's a bit like tragedy reversed. There is nothing more heartbreaking than loss, is there? There is nothing more desperate than the way that death breaks in and shatters and destroys. Imagine if that could be reversed. Imagine if that could be opened up and, and, and we could see hope in the face of the worst of things. Jesus, as he was dying on the cross, alongside him was a thief. Two thieves, actually. One who mocked him. One who said to him, remember me. And Jesus turned to him and he said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me in paradise the greatest experience that you have ever had, the greatest experience that I have ever had, will not even come close to what we will experience in life in Jesus. At some point in time, if we trust and we believe in him, that's, what, that's the difference between those two men who were alongside Jesus. One of them turned his back, figuratively speaking, to Jesus. One mocked him, had nothing to do with him. The other one said, I hope in you. And the one who believed in him received a promise for life. Greatest experience that we could, the most amazing, more than we could even come close to describing, is what we will see in Jesus. And then finally the resurrection is a great warning. A bit later on in the Bible there's a great teacher called Paul, apostle Paul, is speaking about this very event. He's speaking to people who no background really in the in the Bible, no back, no they're not Jews. I guess in lots of ways they're just like you and me, living life. And he says this. God commands everyone everywhere to repent because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead jesus is not just a risen man he's been raised with a purpose and that's the warning that the resurrection brings as well, because Jesus the King is also Jesus the judge. And every one of us at some point, we don't know when, a point at which the reality of eternity will be uh, confronting each one of us as we stand before Jesus. He says, I will now be judge." What's the response to that? Well, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead some mocked. But I guess that's always going to be the case. It's it's outside of human possibility. Precisely. It's God breaking into the world. Others said, well, we'll think a little bit more about that. And yet others believed. Every one of us, I think, falls into one of those categories. We might not openly mock. We might openly mock. But we might not openly mock. We might mock with a kind of inner thought of how ridiculous. Uh, We might want to think a bit more about it. And then some might truly believe. And lives lives might be changed... By that truth. So Jesus' resurrection reverses tragedy. It gives the possibility of the greatest experience, but it also is a stark warning. This is not what it is all about. This is not the completion. This is not everything that life is. One day we will face the one who's been raised from the dead, and he will judge us. And uh, when you think about that, I, I know my life, I know my inner uh, kind of motives and thoughts, and, and I know that I couldn't possibly ever stand before Jesus and be acceptable. And be, I know that you couldn't either. He's too perfect to be acceptable before Him. And that's precisely why He came into this world and He died. So that those who believe in him can realize that his death is significant because it gives us life. It reconciles us to him. We talk about that so often here because it's really central to what we believe.